Hello, welcome to the Myths and History of Ancient Greece. Chapter 10, Jason and the Golden Fleece. The Argonauts had arrived at Colchis. Jason held a council with his crew, and they realised they didn't need to take the Golden Fleece by force. There was no reason why Aetes wouldn't want to give the fleece to them. Jason decided he'd just go and ask for it. He decided he'd take the sons of Phrixos with him, since Aetes was their grandfather. All this went well to start off with. The sons of Phrixus were welcomed by their mother and were granted an audience with the king. He, though, was not so welcoming. He asked one of his grandsons what on earth was going on. The young man said that Jason had come to take the fleece as foretold by the oracle. Aetes was furious. He laughed with contempt and told Jason exactly what he thought. Return whence you came, he said, or I will cut off your tongues and chop off your hands. Up in Olympus, Hera and Athena had a chat about how to make sure that Jason and his crew succeeded in their quest. Soon they had decided what they must do, and they went to see Aphrodite. She agreed to do what they asked, and so she went to find Eros. She told the meddlesome god of love to shoot one of his arrows into the heart of Medea, daughter of King Aetes, and make her fall in love with Jason. Eros, of course, thought this was a great plan, and so off he went. The deed was soon done. As Phineas said, said, trust in Aphrodite. Medea was not only the daughter of the king. She was a priestess of Hecate, and so was quite powerful. Her help was certainly going to be needed, because things went from bad to worse for Jason. Aetes said that he'd let the Argonauts have the Golden Fleece if Jason would perform two tasks for him. He asked Jason if he'd do the washing up after dinner and then put the bins out. No, not really. The two tasks were considerably more challenging than that. Jason was told for his first task he must catch two fryer-beathing bulls which had been created by Hephaestus. He must then strap them to a plough, plough the field of Ares and sow in the field some serpent's teeth. The second task was just as daunting. The serpent's teeth would instantly start to grow into warriors. Jason was told he must kill all of the warriors. Only after he had done this would he be allowed to take the golden fleece. These tasks seemed impossible, and Jason went away to work out what to do. Aphrodite, though, had done her work well. Medea had fallen madly in love with Jason, and she met him at the temple of Hecate. She promised to help him if he'd take her back to Greece and marry her. Jason, of course, agreed. He swore by all the gods on Olympus that he would stay with Medea forever. Medea gave Jason a flask filled with red lotion. It was the juice of a crocus which would protect the hero against the fire breath of the bulls. It was said that the flowers had sprung from the blood of Prometheus, the thief of fire. The chief Argonaut coated himself and his spear with the lotion and made a sacrifice to Hecate. Suddenly he felt invincible and incredibly powerful. Jason went to face the bulls. The bulls charged at the leader of the Argonauts, breathing fire and snorting loudly. They must have been pretty scary, but Jason felt he could not be beaten, and he met their charge. Quick as a flash, he grabbed the yoke of the plough and fastened it to the bull's neck. He then jabbed at them with his invincible spear and forced them up and down the field over and over again until the field was ploughed and the earth was ready for planting. Jason sowed the serpent's teeth, got off the plough, raised his spear and shield, and waited. Before too long, a little patch of ground a few feet away from Jason began to shake and rumble. A couple of seconds later, a fully armed head popped out of the ground, 
closely followed by an equally heavily armed body, arms and legs. It was a fearsome warrior. He turned to face Jason, snarled and moved slowly forward. Then, a few feet away, the same thing happened again. There were two warriors, and they were both snarling at him. Then another appeared, then another, and another. Pretty soon the whole field was filled with warriors, and all of them looked menacing and very cross. Under normal circumstances, this would have been an impossible situation, but the gods were on Jason's side. He had listened to Medea telling him how he could defeat the warriors, and he did exactly as he was told. It seems that these men may have been menacing and cross, but they were also a bit thick. Jason threw a large rock right into the middle of the horde of warriors. The crash of the boulder distracted them, and they thought they were being attacked. Each warrior turned towards the rock and attacked the nearest moving thing they could see. In all cases, the nearest thing was another warrior, and it wasn't long before the whole bunch were fighting each other. Jason stood back and watched, and allowed himself a little smile. When most of the fighting men were dead, Jason finished off the rest. Feeling quite pleased with himself, he went back to Aetes and asked for the fleece. The king had no intention of giving the golden fleece to the Argonauts. He threatened to burn the Argo and kill the entire crew. The Argonauts, though, had the power of Aphrodite on their side. Medea led them to the grove where the fleece was hanging. There, guarding the great prize, was the unsleeping dragon. The dragon, though, was no match for Medea. As it slithered towards Jason and his men, she stared into its eyes. She summoned up the power of Hecate and spoke magic words which soothed the monster. She sprinkled a potion into the dragon's eyes. It fell asleep. Jason unhooked the golden fleece from the branch of the tree and the crew hurried back to the Argo. They boarded the ship and rowed away, chased by the army of Colchis. A number of the crew were injured as they escaped, but Medea healed them all. The fighting men of Colchis had also boarded ships and they gave chase. The men of Colchis were led by Aetes' son, Apsitrus. He and his ships caught up with the Argo at the mouth of the Danube. He demanded that they return the fleece and Medea. Medea, though, did not want to return to Colchis, and so she tricked her brother. She sent a secret message to him, pretending she had been kidnapped and begging for rescue. Apsitrus fell for it completely and came to meet her in a place of her suggestion. Jason was waiting for him, and as soon as he arrived, cut him down with one swing of his sword. The Ar Argo returned through the Bosphorus and the Hellespont, and arrived in the kingdom of Drephane. There the Colchians caught up with the Argo once more. They again demanded that Medea re return to them immediately. The king and queen of Drephane were asked to give a judgment. Should Medea be returned, or should she be allowed to stay with Jason? They decided that if Jason and Medea were married, then she should stay with him. If they were not married, she must return to Colchis. They didn't tell anyone the judgment that evening, though. They announced they would give their answer in the morning. A messenger was quickly dispatched by the Queen to the camp of the Argonauts. Very quickly, Jason arranged his wedding. He and Medea were married in the cave of Macris. When the judgment was given in the morning, Jason and Medea were married, and so were allowed to travel on to Greece. The Colchians were, of course, furious. Jason could now return to Iolcos with the fleece, and so the Argo set sail for home. There were still many dangers left for them to face before they would get there. The Argo passed the island of the Sirens, beautiful women with beautiful voices, whose songs could charm sailors and wreck ships. Orpheus played his lyre to drown out the songs, and only one of the Argonauts fell victim to the charms of the Sirens. 
Bootis jumped over the side of the ship and swam towards the island, but Aphrodite rescued him. The Argo was then caught in a nine-day storm, which swept it towards the shores of Libya. An enormous wave threw the Argo into the air and swept the ship inland. It came to rest more than a mile from the sea. All the crew could see was miles and miles of endless, baking, waterless desert. They had no idea which way to go and were beginning to despair when they saw a giant horse with a golden mane. They recognised it as the horse of Poseidon and knew that it would be heading for water. They suddenly felt strong again and they lifted up the Argo and followed the horse back to the sea. Sadly, two of the tr crew, Canthos and Mopsos, were killed in Libya. Canthos was murdered by a shepherd whose sheep he had been trying to steal, and poor old Mopsos trodden a poisonous snake which bit him. The sea god Triton guided the ship back to the Mediterranean Sea and sent it on its way home. The Argo headed northward and the crew were soon able to see the island of Crete. Gratefully they prepared to dock so that they could get some rest. Nothing was ever easy for the Argonauts though. Docking on Crete was no different. The island was guarded by a giant man made of bronze called Talos. He was completely invulnerable to attack. His bronze body was filled with ichor, a colourless liquid which was like divine blood. Every day his task was to walk three times around the island, getting rid of strangers. The bronze man decided that fifty men and a woman, carrying a dead golden ram, definitely counted as strangers, and he began to throw rocks at Jason and his crew. The Argonauts poured off the ship and headed for the shore. Once they were there, they attacked Talos with every weapon they had. Now, Talos was a giant made out of bronze, and the Argonauts, although they were heroes, were just men. The attacks had no effect at all on Talos, except to distract him a bit. He started to lean over, ready to crush the Argonauts one by one, but as he bent down, he looked at Medea. Summoning the power of Hecate, she looked into his eyes and put a spell on him. When he was under her spell, she forced him to drink a potion which made him sleepy. As Talos dozed off, she crept up behind him and pulled out a giant bronze nail from the back of his heel. All of the ichor in his body oozed out, and the bronze giant was dead. The Argonauts rested and ate, and then began the last leg of their journey. After one more short stop, they arrived back in the Olcos. When they reached the kingdom, they heard terrible news. Pelias had killed Jason's mother, father and brother. Jason wanted to attack the kingdom immediately and kill the king, but the other Argonauts managed to talk him out of it. Iolcos was well defended and fifty men, even if they were fifty heroes, probably couldn't take it. It was Medea, who was showing herself to be quite keen on trickery and murder, who brought down Peleus. This had been Hera's, Hera's plan all along. She was using Medea to kill her enemy. Medea disguised herself, using the magic of Hecate, as a very old woman, and approached the palace. She carried with her a life-size statue of Artemis, and demanded the guards on the city gates let her in. She convinced them that Artemis had come to bring good fortune to Iolcos. Once inside the city, she roused all of the inhabitants, and told them that the goddess was about to form a, perform a miracle. Peleus was terrified. He asked the old woman what Artemis required of him. The old woman, who was really of course Medea, told him that his son, Acastos, had died in a shipwreck. Artemis was going to make Peleus young again so he could have more sons. Medea removed the illusion that was making her look old. Look, she said, I am young again. This is the power of Artemis. 
Peleus was mightily impressed and convinced that he too was going to become young again. He asked what he needed to do. Medea called for an old ram to be brought to her. She cut the poor old thing into thirteen pieces and threw the pieces into a cooking pot. She added herbs and other magical ingredients and then pretended to summon the power of Artemis. The people looked on in amazement as the liquid boiled away. Eventually, Medea held aloft the statue of Artemis and told Peleus to look in the pot. Inside was a lamb. The ram had magically been made young. Of course, it hadn't actually been made young. The lamb had been hidden in the statue of Artemis, and Medea had secretly dropped it into the pot as she raised the statue aloft. Everyone was convinced. The people were convinced. The family of Peleus was convinced. Peleus was convinced. He readily agreed to be cut up and cooked so he could become young again, and his daughters agreed to do the deed. They cut him up. They added the herbs. They cooked him. Peleus did not become young again. He simply became dead. Acastos returned to Iolcos and became king. The Argonauts all went home, and Jason and Medea fled to Corinth so they wouldn't be punished for murdering Peleus. Now, you would think that all would end happily for the hero and his wife now they had succeeded in their great quest, and they had so many gods on their side. Sadly, though, very few of the great heroes of Greek mythology had happy endings. Perseus managed it, and a couple of the heroes of the Trojan War will, but most of the heroes ended up ruining all their good work somehow. Jason was no exception. Jason hung up the golden fleece in the Temple of Zeus and travelled on to Corinth. When he and Medea reached their destination, Jason beached the Argo, whereupon they claimed the throne of the kingdom for themselves. Medea was descended from the royal family of Corinth and so had a right to be its ruler. There was no king at the time, so the timing was excellent. Jason became king of Corinth, with Medea as his queen. They reigned for ten successful years. Looking good so far, how can it go wrong? After ten good years, Jason got a bit fed up with Medea and accused her of having the previous king of Corinth murdered. There was no direct evidence of this, but Medea seemed quite okay with murdering people, so it's possible that she did do it. He decided he was going to divorce her and marry Glauca, daughter of the king of Thebes. Medea protested. After all, Jason had sworn an oath that he would stay with her forever. Medea was true to form. She sent the unfortunate girl some wedding gifts, and these were no ordinary gifts. There was a golden crown and a long white robe. Glauca was delighted and put on the robe. As soon as it was on, flames poured from it and burned her to a crisp, along with her father and a load of other Theban wedding guests. Jason escaped through a window, but the Corinthians killed all of his children. Jason went back to the Argo, which was rotting away in the Isthmus of Corinth. One day, as he sat in the decaying ship, a beam fell off and hit him on the head, killing him. The great ship was placed in the sky to commemorate the quest for the Golden Fleece. Jason was no more. It was a sad end for a great hero. Medea, though, was not finished. We will hear more about her wicked deeds later in our story. Next time, we will hear the story of King Midas and two of the other shorter Greek myths. Until then, have a great week, and I'll speak to you next time.